What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Shit Podcast. So today I'm coming with a phenomenal guest that I'm incredibly excited uh, to be able to speak with today, Miss Lauren Conlon, the owner of Team Loco Fit. She's someone I've looked up to for a super long time. She's just coming on now. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. So Lauren, thank you so much for jumping right on at the perfect time of your intro. How are you? You're so welcome. I was like, oh my gosh, this, did I just nail this? Like <laughs> this really intro did. was like a pre-record, but like I'm here. So we're just going to go with it. <laughs> it was literally perfect timing. I was like, I'm going to start the intro so that we just roll right into it. So oh I'm excited gosh. to have you, but please introduce yourself for everybody who may not know you though. Most of my followers already do, uh, and give them a little bit of your background on what you do now and, and what you got, what got you into health and fitness initially. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Super excited for this love podcast. So uh, I got into this because growing up, I had an eating disorder and then I became exposed to like, you know, RD and psychiatrists, oh, the whole, the whole deal, right? Got into that and then found weightlifting, really liked it. And, you know, it just kind of progressed from there, went to a bodybuilding show and then kind of like everything took off. So I started um, my undergrad actually in dietetics, switched to exercise science, and then started coaching actually in my undergrad. And things evolved from there. After I finished my master's, I uh, took coaching full-time with uh, Team Local Fit. And it was just me uh, for many years. And then in 2018, started bringing on coaches. And since then, we now have a great team of three coaches and myself. And I would say that we have, well, clearly adjusted methods over time, um, thankfully. But I would say really what we're navigating more towards now is just really focusing on not just of course like what we're doing as far as like macros and training and all that but really the mindset and the behaviors and the habits that need to switch for long-term success and this is what I started looking into with my research project and it really after that I just kind of dove more into a deeper understanding of that and that's really what we focus on now is like stopping yo-yo dieting stopping people be so, being so neurotic with their food intake um, and really being able to balance nutrition and fitness and health, but also have that in a great place. So then you can work on other areas of your life as well and develop, you know, as a person and give your energy towards other things too, like your career and personal development and all that. So it's a little, <laughs> little synopsis, <laughs> but I love all of that. And it's, it's cool for me because I've kind of watched you grow in like change, right? When I got into Dr. Campbell's program, he, the first thing that he said to me was like, you remind me so much of Lauren. And at that time I like knew who you were and I had interacted with you a little bit. Like we had never really like connected yet. And like, every time we would have our mentorship meetings, he would just be like, you need to talk to Lauren. You need to talk to Lauren. He's like, you and her like two of the same. And I'm like, that means a lot to me because I've looked up to you for so long. And it's interesting since I launched my own business, I'm very much, very, very passionate. I'll probably get another like certification in psychology because it's like the mindset shit matters the most. But it's like, what works for me, I know doesn't work for everyone. And so I brought on the first hire that I did was actually bringing on a team therapist mm -hmm. counselor. Cause I'm like, I need to stay within my scope, but I'm very passionate about pursuing this and being able to help people with it. And I know that you also work with a psychologist. I mm -hmm. think, I don't know exactly yeah. his title, yeah. Um, yeah. but I He's think licensed, that, uh, the LMHC. So licensed mental health counselor. He's yeah. a practicing psychotherapist and he's amazing. And uh, it's been a great addition for our team and just having that resource. And, um, you know, not everybody obviously is going to need that or can have that opportunity, but that's why we try to do other podcasts and, and content with him as well. And it's just, it really is, like you said, there's something to be said about 
like, yes, we have to have the right protocols for, you know, an understanding of like physiology and all that, but without understanding like the psychology of the client and really focusing on that and making changes, what, what are we doing? You know, I can give anybody a plan, but at what point are they going to make any changes? And at what point is that plan just going to be another like on period for them? And then when they're off that plan, it's just another off period. And that's really what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. And I, I am just, yeah, everything that you're saying is very, very true. Those are my favorite episodes. Like as soon as I see that you put one out with him, I'm like, I'm listening to it, especially the relationship yeah. ones, like the narcissist one. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> no, Rick is incredible. And he just has a really good way of communicating. Like when I first, he's one of my, uh, he's at our jujitsu school. And I was like this, like, you know, I just show up. I don't know anybody. And I'm like, okay, you know, this guy's cool. And I'm like, I feel like you do more than jujitsu. You know what I mean? I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm a psychotherapist. I'm like, oh, oh, this makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Because like, you know, you, and you just never really know. But I was like, this guy's like good with like people and the way he speaks. And so he's been an awesome addition for the podcast and brings up a lot of really great insights. And uh, yeah, the narcissist ones were a big hit. We just did like that relationship series. That was a huge hit as well. Uh, so it's, they're, they're fun. They're, they're definitely different, um, but we really enjoy them. No, I really like that you have that asset to your team for sure. And it's just like, it's inspiring, but it's also when you look up to someone and you see they're doing certain things and you're kind of following suit and you're like, I am doing the right things. Like I am like where my heart is, where my passion is, like what I think is right is right based on like obviously similar morals and boundaries and like all those different things. So it's cool for me as like a younger coach coming up, like seeing that on another level of someone I've, I've admired for a long time. So it's just like, you, it just feels good when you look up to someone and you're like, I'm doing the right thing. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely great that you're putting an emphasis on this already. And it's not that I didn't want to do it before. It's just, I didn't really understand the impact of it um, at that point. So definitely something I wish I would have added earlier. So good job doing that sooner rather than later. And everybody's going to benefit from it. You know, you, your clients, everybody listening. So, so I do want to talk about, that's actually a great segue into like your coaching in, in your experience. And so as someone who's watched you, it was like, I found you when you were in bodybuilding mm -hmm. and then you kind of transitioned away from that. And so I, I don't know if you're coming back to it. Like, that's why I was like, I'm not sure where you're at with it. Um, but I do want to pick your brain on like that experience for you, because I feel as though, and, and even thinking about myself, I spent a long time in bodybuilding, like prep, 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 prep. And it's like coming out of it and being very far removed from it now. It's like, I needed that space and I didn't realize that I needed it as much as I did. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you have like a very similar experience and like what got you out of it and where you're at now and kind of how that, tr how that yeah. transition happened for you. So to back up a little bit, I started competing in 2011. That was when I did my first show and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I really like it. It's a challenge. And I was a competitive athlete in high school, you know, most people, well, not like most people, but I was, you know, a lot of people are. So I ran track and cross country and I showed horses competitively. So I was always doing something. So I, I had no plans of doing that in college. So it was nice to have something like, okay, I found this thing, weightlifting that I like. And I've always kind of been on top of my food intake. And there's this thing that kind of combines all of them. Like, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? And so I just found this world of bodybuilding, started competing. And it was so fun. And I did that for several years until I turned pro in 2014. And then I competed as a pro 2014 until 2018. And I absolutely loved it. It was a great experience. I learned so much about myself, obviously, as anybody who does a prep. It, I always like to say, like, it strips away all of the, like, the 
extras, right? And you're really left with like what matters like in your day to get everything done. But also you realize like what matters and what kind of doesn't. Um, but that's like the great side of it, right? Uh, there was definitely some, some, you know, struggles, right? I had a few injuries along the way, which was kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, literally, my glute was injured. Um, so <laughs> quite literally a pain in the ass. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really hard. You know, my body is not super lean naturally. Um, I'm somebody who holds weight kind of all over. So I don't ever really look like I'm up 30, I, I'm over 30 pounds of stage weight, right? Which is very standard for me. It doesn't mean I blew up. It just, that's just kind of where I am. Um, people be like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, because I don't really look lean until I get like Skeletor lean. So there's not really a good like in between for me. Um, so for me, I have to, you know, really kind of aggressively diet, which is fine. Um, but that does take a toll, right? It takes a toll on your hormones, takes a whole toll on your mentality, takes kind of like your energy and, and how much energy, not even just physical energy, but mental energy and capacity that you can put into other things. And, um, you know, by the time, by end of 2018, when I was kind of wrapping up my season, you know, just realistically, I, I kind of had reached my peak, which is, you know, could I get better? Yes. Um, but in order to go from where I am to like the, the top, there was a big gap. Um, and in order to get there, I was like, do I want to do some of those things? Do I still want to dedicate this much time to it? And that answer was no. And I actually just kind of like got off stage and was like, I kind of just like want to feel normal, you know, like kind of want to feel like what that feels like, because I have really been dieting for like most of my life up until that point. So in some capacity. So I was like, you know, it, it would kind of be nice to just like see what happens. And I really had like emptied that tank that last season. So I left it not going like, I'm never competing again. Fuck bodybuilding. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, it's just the amount of effort for what I'm getting out of it at this current point was not, was not worth it. Um, so now it's been three plus years, you know, haven't dieted, finally like regulated, everything is normal. Um, you know, I can pretty much eat. I, it's funny. I say, Oh, I eat whatever I want. It's like, obviously I still, I'm still prepping food. I'm still portioning everything out. Like, so when we say like, we're eating whatever we want, it's just, there's a little bit more flexibility than like a prep diet. Um, but it's nice, you know, to kind of just maintain and be able to do stuff. And like I said, put that physical and mental energy into other things. Um, I started doing, as I kind of mentioned, you know, meeting Rick, our team therapist, jujitsu, uh, in 2019, the end of 2019. So, I've uh, been doing that for about two years and that would be really challenging. Obviously if I was prepping, it's already challenging enough, um, let alone being like 10% body fat and just like, this is napping limbs. So, um, you know, that's been something that's been fun um, being able to just kind of do just different things and feel like normal and good. So I, I have thought about going back to stage uh, as like a team, like a little group thing, right? Like, I think that would probably be the only way that I do it. Like get some of the pros on the team, some of the amateurs and like we all prep for like a show and then we all do it together. You know, like, I feel like it would be like that for me. I don't have any aspirations of like, I want to go to the Olympia. Like I want to win this. Like that's not where my desires are and currently. And that's okay. I've come to like peace with that. Like I have had an amazing competitive career whether I compete again or not, I fully enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I feel like it's just, it's like this great part of my life. And obviously I still coach competitors as well. And I still love that whole, that whole world, but I wanted other things and the amount that like, it is a full investment of like time and energy and, you know, your body stability. And for everybody, it's different, right? Like I have some clients who prep and not saying that it's, easy right but there's some people who just based on how much they need to lose and kind of how far they get from that settling point 
kind of chilling, you know, um, for me, it's not, it's not how it goes, you know, and, and because of my lifestyle now, I don't, I would, I would need to gain more muscle before I dieted again, you know, so it's kind of like, right now, we're good, we're just enjoying other stuff and putting my energy into other business ventures, so that's where I'm at, but not a really good answer. <laughs> no, that's a phenomenal answer, because it's true, and I think that if we were trying to condense that into, I'm not, here's why, and like, try to make it like an Instagram caption, it wouldn't be long enough, right, and in the same like alternative alternative side for me is like, I still love the sport so much because it did a lot for me, mm-hmm. right? I don't have any, like, I hate it. It ruined me. Like, no, I sh- could have done it better. I, I could have, you know, no, knowing what I know now, like I would mm-hmm. have chosen to do it differently. Um, but at the same time, it's given me a lot of perspective mm-hmm. and made me a better coach. Cause it's like, I know where the boundary is. And like, I need to abide by what I believe is correct. Even if that means it's a longer prep, even if that means we change the show, even if that means I have to be honest about where we're at and what it's going to require for you to get there. Like all of those things. I just, I feel as though I'm one of those like really hard-headed people. That's like, if you tell me to do it, I will run myself into the ground, which Mm -hmm. has gotten me very far, but also been very detrimental um, to my own situations and like health, but following you. And and one thing I, I love about you being you is I remember looking back, you made posts a couple of years ago when there was this whole like, oh, responsible dieting and like nobody has to get aggressive to get shredded. And you started sharing like real client stories. You're like, mm-hmm. this is my client. This is how low her calories got. Mm-hmm. This is how high her cardio got. This yes. is the transformation. And that is yes. required for most people. Right. And again, like yes. talking about natural versus not natural and like really sharing those. And I was like, okay, thank God somebody is saying this because at the same time, it's like, it makes you feel like, well, if you are doing more than an hour of cardio for a client six times a week, like then you're doing crazy things. Or if their carbs do get under hundred grams, you're like a terrible coach. And I'm like, well, no, mm-hmm. it's context dependent and like push pull phases. But like, you just have people again, marketing on social media drives me nuts. I'm like, cause it's not real. No, this is, well, I mean, there's a lot of problems with social media, but one of the, one of the issues is that people will share, um, let's say a perfect example, somebody's um, peaking a client, right? And that client happens to be very lean with good amount of muscle mass and also tolerates carbs pretty well. So they're able to eat a lot of carbs going into the show, right? Well, that doesn't show me what the client was doing for the month prior, which was probably 50 carbs and two hours of cardio. And then, yeah, you got to pull back the week of the show, but like, that's not necessarily how you got there. Right. And it's, you know, likewise, I have clients who some people do get super lean on pretty high food, but most people don't. It's just like most people in the off season aren't able to eat 400 carbs and have abs. That's how it works. Now, are there people who do that? And I always use that example because it's really extreme, but it's also people talk about this. It's kind of like a normal thing. A lot. You're 20 years old with no diet history, um, just started weight training, did one show. Client is 40 years old, started weight training maybe five years ago. Max has been off and on dieting for most of their life. They go, why can't I have this? Well, (laughs) these are completely different bodies and just everything is so different. And also just genetically, there are going to be some people who are going to be able to tolerate a lot of food on the way up. There are some people who are going to be able to tolerate a lot of food while they're dieting. There are some people who gain muscle pretty easily without a lot of body fat, but they are pretty extreme. That is an outlier through and through, right? And they exist. And 
they're obviously great to work with, right? Like, look at my client. But that is not speaking to most people. And what ends up happening is that, you know, I don't really care what somebody chooses to share. But what I don't like is when, like you said, people start shaming other coaches. If you're doing this, you're a bad coach. And it's funny, like when I did my research project, like that's actually why I did my research project because it was like, all right, I'm coming. This was 2014 when we had this idea. I'm coming into this whole world like, all right, IFYM, like if you do like meal plans, like you suck, like all this, like that was like the narrative in 2014, right? Like on Instagram between 2013 and 2015, if you weren't tracking macros, you were an idiot, right? You, if you weren't doing hit and you were walking on the treadmill, you're a bro, right? Like that, that was the whole narrative. And that's because it was being pushed. There had been one thing pushed for so long and it was kind of getting pushed the other way. Well, that's the same thing with, with bodybuilding prep. Are there certainly coaches who bring their clients calories entirely too low and do entirely too much cardio? Yes. <laughs> but that does not mean that anybody who is pushing their client in a substantial way is doing it wrong. And I have yet to meet more than a handful of clients that I work with at a time, just probability speaking, that you're able to do that, right? Like, especially female clients, especially natural female clients are not going to be able to get lean without being in a pretty large deficit. You know what I mean? Like, it's not normal to be 10% body fat. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, and muscular, like, right? Like, that's it, just not a normal thing. So we can't expect to have a not normal body, right? or an extreme body, we'll not use the word normal, an extreme body and not do something that's extreme. Now, do we need to do that for the whole prep? No, <laughs> but there are going to be times where we're pushing and that shouldn't be something that we are, you know, fighting against. Now, are you on a meal plan with 10 grams of fat for six months? Yeah, that's a fucking problem, right? Like that's, that's a problem, which is why those coaches were calling out people. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we don't diet, right? Like it's, there has to be some kind of middle ground here and there has to be context and there has to be nuance, like everything that's fucking lost on social media, obviously. So it's, yeah, most women are not going to be able to, to, to get lean unless we're, you know, we're, we're pushing a little bit, you know, and that's what you sign up for when you do a bodybuilding show. If you don't want to do that, then don't do that. (laughs) Like, that's also okay. You know, like there is always a risk with everything and people need to understand that doing a bodybuilding show and getting that lean, there are risks that are imposed. And you have to be aware of that. And if you're not ready to get pretty aggressive, it's not going to be a good time physiologically. And to go back to our first point, psychologically. And I love that you, you, um, you hit on that point, right? Cause a lot of people, I think get lost in like the, the physical adaptations, which, which occur. Uh, I think people neglect the psychological adaptations that also occur, right. And all the things that you can't really control or understand about what's going on. And then you feel out of body. Well, in some element you actually are. And so as someone who's gotten more and more into that, um, can you break down some of the things that you notice the most or things that you walk clients through when they're going through that adaptive process psychologically? Yeah. Well, I would say first, just having an understanding of, you know, and this is kind of like pre-prep, right? Like is somebody saying like, Hey, I want to do this prep because I don't like how I look. Um, or like, I'm really unhappy here or whatever. Right. And I've had kind of a rough off season and listen, there's been times where I've, you know, got to pull a client out of a, a rough spot. Right. And, you know, so that's why there's always context here. So sometimes it's like, all right, this might not be the best situation, but it's going to be better than what we're doing. So got to win there. Um, but in general, right. If somebody's like complaining all the time about how they look, oh, I just want to do a prep. Prepping is not going to solve your body image issues, nor, nor should it be a way to, to get lean. We can diet for other reasons. You know what I mean? Um, but using this 
this like external goal is, is going to be kind of dicey. So that's number one. That's like even pre-prep kind of like, what are the intentions going into this? Are you doing this show also, you know, how hard am I going to push someone? Is this like your first show and you just want to see what it's like, or are you trying to win a pro card in the next few years? Very different, very different trajectories. Right. Um, so kind of beforehand getting to understand like what we're doing this for. Um, and then I think the other thing that a lot of people are not really prepared for is you are, it's this really weird interplay. Like you have to wake up every day when you're like tired and hungry and don't want to do your cardio and eat your stupid fucking food. Like you have to wake up and be like, I'm doing this because I want to win the show. Like I'm obviously doing this to get in the first call out or to win or to get a pro card, whatever it is. Like that's why you're doing it. But at the same time, you also can't tie your worth as a person to placings. And that is a really, really hard distinction. So it's like, okay, I'm training really hard for this singular goal, but I'm also very aware that I am not in control of the outcome. Bodybuilding sports are very, very weird. And so I grew up riding horses, which is a subjective sport. Obviously there are some things that are objective about it, right? Like you either completed this course or you didn't, you went over it in a certain way, but there is a subjective element involved. So I was primed, I guess you could say for bodybuilding, because for most of my life I did subjective sports and I understood that it wasn't just like, Hey, cross the finish line or you didn't, you know, who's first, who's second, you know? And then obviously when I got into those types of sports, it was like, Oh, this is pretty clear cut. Like, what's this like, <laughs> you know? So whereas obviously, you know, riding is a little bit different. Bodybuilding is the same way, right? You can train every day, look your absolute best. You are not rewarded based off your hard work. Hard work is a prerequisite of getting on stage, but everybody else is working hard as well. And everybody else might be working just as hard, but they look a little bit better or they have a little bit better genetics or the judges just like their look better, which is also th the reality. And that there's nothing wrong with that, right? That is a subjective sport. You get up there, you might have a body type that looks like everybody else's or everybody or every body type might look different up there, right? You have zero idea who's going to be on stage, even if you know the show list, right? Even if it's a pro show, you know who's showing up. You don't know how they're going to show up that day. You don't know how their body's going to peak. You don't know how your body is going to peak. You don't really know anything. All you can control is up until that point and then say, all right, I'm getting here. I've worked my ass off and whatever happens out here happens. This is the least important part, essentially. And it's a really hard thing, especially for people who are competitive, which obviously if you're doing this, like you're going to be competitive, right? So you're not just like, oh, I lost. It's okay. Like, but also you have to recognize that like you as a person are not different for winning or losing this show. So I think that that's a really important distinction to talk to people like, hey, like we are going to be focused on this process versus just this outcome. Um, and then also just some people, you know, and this is something that sometimes you're not really going to know until afterwards, but some people just really, really struggle with being judged um, on their body, essentially, like a panel of people are judging what they look like. And if they don't win, that can sometimes be like if their expectation is up here. That reality doesn't meet that expectation. Sometimes it becomes really, really challenging afterwards. And that's often what we end up seeing with people who want to do show after show after show, because they just need that as like their source of validation. It's not really the right word, but as their kind of source, we'll go with validation. So I can think of a better word and uh, almost a validation for their hard work, not validation for them as a person, but like, oh, I did this right. And it's like, you could do it. You could do it right there's no right or wrong here right like if you look at like well, just look at pro shows look at those top call out like yes there are certain things that are very very consistent but there's also things that are very different right and some shows you might show up and the judge is like no i like this body no i like this body okay right like that has nothing to do with you as an individual and what you've done this whole prep 
Um, so it's just like this really weird thing to balance. But I think that going into it, that understanding of like, I'm working every day on this process and I'm going to dedicate myself to that process, but I'm also going to be okay with whatever outcome that I'm getting on actual show day. And I think that's very hard. And a lot of people don't even have that conversation up front. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I want to do this and I want to win. Okay, cool. But I want you to understand that we cannot control that. We can mm-hmm. control you winning every day. We can control mm-hmm. you overcoming obstacles that are unforeseen and navigating these things and challenging mm-hmm. yourself mentally and physically to get past limits that you've set upon yourself, right? I think that's mm-hmm. the coolest part of bodybuilding is actually yes. finding out what you're capable of. And when you can look at it that way mm-hmm. versus I'm going to be first call it, I'm going to win my pro card. And if I don't, then I'm a mess and I engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. I diminish mm-hmm. my own value. And then I get to a very low point. Nope. It's time to jump back into prep. Yeah. Right. And so it's understanding that they are not one in the same and there are better ways to go about it. Also walking away from a season, knowing that like, there are so many more important things to regulate post contest than planning for your next show because you didn't perform the way that you wanted to. And Mm -hmm. we can totally dive into like internal health. Um, I do know that you look at that and like, you've kind of gotten your education to be able to advocate for clients um, when reviewing their lab work and and Mm -hmm. looking at their doctors. And so can you um, overview if you feel comfortable um, some of the things that you really pay attention to internal wise, as far as Mm -hmm. physiological health before going into a dieting phase? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously for female clients, we're going to want to see if, you know, their cycle is regulated. Now, not everybody has a regular cycle and that may or may not be due to bodybuilding, right? They could have come to me and said, Hey, for X amount of years, I've had this. And that's going to be a pretty tough case. And that's going to be something that's most likely going to be handled, you know, by a doctor, et cetera. Um, but one of the things that's just really common is obviously losing your cycle after a show. So if we, if somebody had a normal cycle and then they lost it because of competing, okay have we established that it has gotten back yet before we dive back into another prep? And this is something that took a long time for me to learn. And, you know, everybody talks about energy availability, just being this kind of like, almost like a CCO situation, right? Like, okay, like how much car, how, how many, how much food are you eating? How much cardio are you doing? Like, that's it, right? If we regulate that, it's good to go. And yes, but, <laughs> but so the one thing that I've seen over and over again is a client after a show this is why after afterwards is so important after a show let's say they just really can't get a handle on their food right and they engage in what's pretty typical which would be few low days and then a high day or two back back down low 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 low, high 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 low low really low okay back up right so it's very up and down it's very inconsistent that is still we'll regard that as stressful for your body mm-hmm. and what ends up happening at that place is you start, your body is primed to preferentially gain fat after, you know, a deficit and look what it's just a normal metabolic adaptation. But so now you're gaining back body fat because you're binging, right? Even though you're restricting on these other days. Um, so now you've gained back body fat, but you're really not in a great place still from an energy availability perspective because you're having these really low days coupled with these very high days. And I've just found that to be really stressful on people's bodies. Um, and then they're like, wait, I've gained all this weight back. Why don't I have a period? And I'm like, well, <laughs> there's all this other stuff going on. You know what I mean? And that obviously not only from a like physiological perspective, is that stressful 
psychologically obviously going through those those cycles of ups and downs on a daily basis is very stressful as well and then that kicks into like oh well I'm a failure and then I have all this food guilt and then this and then that so it all kind of compounds on each other and I don't really have any data to point to that um but I've just seen that that is what happens over and over again and that is even what happens I would say honestly like clients who have a really poor stress perception in my experience as a coach anecdotally um typically are some of the people who will lose their cycle faster even if they're not um contest lean so it's not always just based on body fat because there's plenty of clients who do contests who still have a cycle and others who are lifestyle clients who are still have a decent amount of body fat who lose their cycle so part of that is genetics right how far are we from your settling point for you on as an individual right if you're already somebody who's fairly lean it's not really that big of an issue um but for some people they, you know, still have what we would consider a lot of body fat and they've already lost their cycles. Like, huh, now that's obviously shifting away from their settling point, right? And coupled with potentially um, like this just dysregulated stress cycle, which is very common, of course, in women. So um, I would say that it can kind of be like this perfect storm. So you said, okay, what to do before a prep? Want to make sure that if somebody's lost their cycle, we've gotten it back. Um, that will be ideal. Again, have I prepped a client before that has happened? Certainly. If it's like, hey, you were competitive last season, we got to get back on stage. If that's your goal, all right, we got to push. I'm not saying that it's always perfect, right? And that's kind of that trade off that you make. As an athlete, you always make trade offs. So, am I doing this because I want to just compete and have fun? Am I doing this because I want to win a pro card? And if that is important to you, I'm not judging if that is important or not important to you. Here's what we do here's option A, here's option B you pick, this is not on me, right? Like this is on, this is your decision. Um, and I want to guide you in the best way possible. Obviously there's certain times where I'm like hard no. Um, but sometimes, you know, like I said, I, you know, both of us have made executive decisions as an athlete to say, I want to do this. And ultimately I'm still pleased, even though, even though there are certain things that I'm like, man, look back, like that probably wasn't ideal. I'm still happy that I made those choices. Right. Um, because they've gotten me here and, it was always a learning experience. So can't say I regret it necessarily. Um, but what that is one thing for sure. Just in general, you know, getting labs is something that, you know, I feel comfortable looking at certain um, certain labs. I'm not going to say like, I can be like, hey, this is a little off, this is a little low, this is here, here. Um, if it is definitely outside of something that's easy to regulate, um, you know, with a few either like dietary changes or lifestyle changes or supplement changes, um, then that's when I'm going to say, okay, let's bring maybe somebody else in. So I always talk about using life extension because they have, you can buy your blood work from them. They also have a team of people that are great that you can speak with win-win, right? <laughs> Especially as a coach who wants to, I can help in this area. Hey, here's kind of what I would talk to them about. Here's what I'm seeing, but also let's get a second opinion here. And then if it's outside of their scope, okay, let's go to a specialist, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so I just like to like see that if possible, you know, not everybody's gonna be able to afford blood work. It is expensive, right? Um, but ideally would like somebody to be in a healthy place there. Um, you know, and just kind of regulated in general, you know, somebody who's able to like digest their food, they're able to like sleep, they're able to train and not feel totally shot out. They're consuming a normal amount of caffeine, you know, like again, that kind of varies too from person to person. But you know, are you slamming a thousand megs of caffeine every day because you can't stay awake and you can't get up, you can't work out? Okay, that's 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 indicative of something else that's going on, right? That could be sleep issue, stress issue, still too lean, not in a good place to prep, adrenals fucking just shot out, right? Like, so there's going to be a lot of things here. Um, but those would be a few markers, just like I want to see, okay, somebody's system just like 
regulated and it's not we're not seeing a lot of big scale fluctuations week to week now again some people fluctuate a lot more than others um, but a good marker of your body being able to have some resiliency and adaptability is like you know we're seeing kind of just plus or minus a little bit here and there not like oh i had one meal that was out and i fucking jumped up seven pounds you're like whoa like and if that's not normal for that person right there's some people especially on their cycle i have clients who will fluctuate a lot of weight um but on average, most people up and down a few pounds here and there, like that's normal. But if we're seeing these big drastic changes, like, and anytime you do something that's a little bit different, your body just like kind of freaks out, probably not a good time for us to go into prep. Like let's either look a little bit deeper, or maybe you just need more time to not be dieting. That's also a thing too, you know, like a lot of people want to have a fancy answer for stuff. It's like, sometimes we just need more time of doing what, what we're doing is working. We just need more like hours and days of it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that really bottles down to like resiliency and consistency, right? Being stress resilient, understanding that when everything, when you diet, especially to getting that lean, everything is amplified, right? Your oatmeal boils over in the microwave and you could cry like, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> when you're psychologically and physiologically stable, you're like, oh, fuck, that sucks. But like you make another one and let it go. Or it's like, I've literally like <laughs> gotten so mad, like ridiculously upset um over you're like this is embarrassing that I was so upset yeah (laughs) yeah and you look back and it's because like if you haven't built up that ability to be stress resilient to have really good coping mechanisms like in your improvement seasons and when you're taking time away like you're going to struggle because stress is going to happen um and it's about how you perceive and then respond to it and mm-hmm. I try to guide people into looking at it as an opportunity because on the other side of that stress, on the other side of that obstacle is going to be perspective or knowledge that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So I always try to listen, I'm a big planner. You know, I obviously love planning. I think a lot of people who get into this are planners, right? We have most of our clients want to plan, right? Um, but the mark of actually being flexible is, you know, we have a plan. Like I know what I need to get done in a day. How it gets done might look different, and that's okay. And that is really where people struggle. You know, if something comes up, oh, you know, I didn't go, like I was supposed to do this and it didn't happen. Or I was supposed to eat this and something went wrong. And so you're like, so then everything fell apart. Okay, that's an indicator that we need to really work on some flexibility and adaptability here. That's not something that we're going to fix overnight. And that is not something that is just for competitive clients. This is something that affects every single client. And this really is the crux of what, I want to hopefully make a small impact in on the industry is like, we really need to move away from just like this off and on mentality and either saying, oh, well, this got messed up. So I'm just going to completely derail myself. Um, or like I'm, I'm on the plan and it's perfect. It's like, it's, we have to have a middle ground here. So if say, for example, like you're prepping um, and you have obviously like the food that you need to eat for the day say you're traveling and say you say, okay, I, I packed all my food, like I'm good to go. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a plane today. Yeah, my meals. I'm ready. Well, your prep brain, it's an early flight. You forget to pack your ice packs, right? You have nothing to keep your food cold and your food spoils, or you get food, whatever. Like, I'm just using a stupid example. The food that you had is no longer there. And for some reason, okay, well, what are we going to do? We just going to say, fuck my prep. I'm going to eat the airport snacks. Um, I'm going to go to this restaurant and just house everything. Um, Or I'm just going to have a legit breakdown and be like, oh my God, what do I eat? I just can't eat anything at all. 
none of those are the right answers, right? Either overeating because we don't have our food now or, or undereating and overly stressing is not going to help either. Okay. What do I have access to? Okay. And obviously the, every situation is going to be different. You know, do you have a car? Can you Uber? How close is the store? Can you get food sent to you? Is there a bowl place down the street? What is here? Can, like, there's so many options, especially if we're talking about people in the U S um, outside of obviously some very small areas. I would say that most places are going to have easily available food that you can make work for literally any diet, like literally any diet. Now, I do recognize that that's not everywhere, right? There are some small places that like legit just have like a few fast food places and not a lot of good options. Um, but hey, there might be a store. Hey, can you take an Uber to go to the grocery store and then get this? Is that ideal? Obviously not, right? But what is the alternative? Like KFC? Like, so like we, we got, we got to make a choice, right? So it's all about saying, okay, I'm in control of the situation. It's not ideal, um, but I'm in control of fixing whatever is happening um, and making the best out of this situation. And even though it's all fucked up, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. And I, I started doing, you know, I was, I started traveling quite a bit, um, you know, starting in kind of like 2016 and I was still, you know, prepping and doing all these things. And I just started, you know, eating out while I was prepping. And not because I was IFYM, but because I was just like, well, this is just the reality of it. You know what I mean? And it's honestly the easiest thing in the world. Like I am like, I, it is so easy. People are like, oh my gosh, how do you eat out when you're prepping? I choose foods that are going to fit my plan, um, which is usually a lean protein and some kind of vegetable. And that's like, you know, like, like you can literally eat uh, fish, steak, chicken, veggies, um, almost anywhere. Now I get it. Not everywhere, but like you can make that work. Um, and it really is super simple. It's just about recognizing that, okay, I am in control of this situation. I'm in control of what I'm eating and what I'm not eating. And there were plenty of times where I was like, this isn't going to be probably the best choice. So I'm going to have an alternative. I'm going to have icon meal sent. I'm going to bring food with me. I'm going to go to the grocery store, whatever it is. And those are extreme examples. We don't even, if we're talking about lifestyle clients, you can make something work, you know what I mean? Like almost anywhere. And it can be kind of on track a little bit off. I have a lot of people who will bring some of their food and then eat the other meals out. And that works out phenomenally. Um, but it's not about saying, Hey, I'm going here and, and everything got messed up. So whatever, double cheeseburgers and fries every night. You're like, <laughs> that was the total opposite of what we were doing. <laughs> and I'm not against burgers and fries, obviously. Um, but again, in the context of what our goals are right now, um, we don't have to do that. And that's where I think a lot of people mentally get tripped up as they, if something is off, they don't have that flexibility or really that adaptability to be able to make those changes uh, when they need to. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell people like, and, and I think you made a post or maybe it was a podcast about this, right? Like, let's say for whatever reason, you're having a fucking off day and you decide that like in the morning you go to Krispy Kreme and you get two donuts, the glaze. And you're like, oh yeah, that was awesome. And then you're like, in hindsight, you're like, oh fuck, man, I just blew all my macros and I'm done. And like I fucked up. And like at that moment right now, you have two different choices, right? You can make an excuse to continue to spiral and not serve yourself. Or you can go, okay, I didn't make the best choice this morning, but I can make a better choice throughout the rest of my day. And I think people forget, like, it's not, oh, well, diet starts tomorrow. Like, no, you still have the power in this moment to make a decision that aligns with your goal, even if you didn't make the best choice shortly beforehand everything that you choose to eat and not eat is your choice. 
And I think that a lot of times we give so much power to food. And I, I recognize that obviously some people are in a disordered mindset around food, which is why this is a challenge. But this is why we're trying to educate people on this. Like, hey, you know, you are in control. Like this is not something that you are forced to be eating. You know, even if you're in a situation with like food pushers and you're not controlling like what's being made, you can still control your portion. You're still in charge of that. Even if that's not ideal still, it's certainly not ideal. But what's not ideal is having a non-ideal like food sources and overeating them, right? So it's like, what can I control here? All right, I'm not, I'm not cooking anything. Um, I'm not, you know, making this. It's probably not the, you know, swimming and whatever calorie does like goodness. Um, and that's not really my plan right now, but you know what? This is what I have. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna regulate the portion size. It's not perfect, but it's better than, being totally off. You can also just say no sometimes, right? Which I think a lot of times people, and this go, there's so many things here, but you know, there's a lot of social pressure around food in particular, and people really, really struggle um, with either saying no to certain foods or to um, not even just foods, but like, hey, do you want to go get this? It's like, oh, well, somebody asked, so I have to say yes. It's like, could have said no. You know, they were just going to lunch at the fucking fuck place on the, like down the street. It's not even good. You, you know, you don't even like that place. You really don't even like this place, but you're just going, right? Um, so it's like a shitty chain on like a Wednesday. Like, no, don't, you, don't, you don't need to go to that. Um, like, it's just, it's about making those choices. It's not like say no at like Thanksgiving dinner to like your favorite side. No, that's a totally different situation. But like the shitty Applebee's on a Wednesday where you got a mediocre ass meal. Like, no, let's maybe not do that. <laughs> um so you can say no I don't want to do that um or you know a lot of times people will if a, if a co-worker or a friend or a colleague or whatever you know makes comments right and it's very uncomfortable like they either make comments oh hey why aren't you eating that or they're making comments of oh my god you're eating so healthy or you're like all of those things can be triggering to people for different reasons right mm -hmm. somebody saying hey you're eating so healthy today could trigger a client to be like I need to overeat you're like why does that that doesn't that doesn't logically make sense but to that person in that capacity for where their mindset is at, that equates to this, right? Um, also, you know, the whole, you know, especially when people have lost a lot of weight, especially if they're competitors, and then, you know, you start to eat other foods afterwards. Oh, are you allowed to eat that? You know, and then that's just like, oh my God, so many eye rolls. And for me, like, I just, I don't give a fuck. Like, say whatever you want about the food I'm eating or not eating, like, it literally matters zero to me. But some people, really, really struggle with that. And, you know, part of it is I've been doing this for a really long time, right? That's like part of the beauty of experience is you get to say, okay, well, I used to feel this way and now I don't because I've learned how to regulate this and whatever. So part of it is just like going through those experiences, um, like time and time again, so you kind of like build up a callus. So like, I don't care anymore. Um, but also just recognizing like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm meeting or, or just kind of go along with whatever they're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then just keep moving, like keep moving. You have your plan you know exactly what you need to be doing. Um, you know what you should, you should be doing, what you should not be doing, right? And you are in control of making those choices. So I think a lot of people um, really, really struggle there, but do not give food more power than, it, than it, you need to. You are in control of what you're eating, what you're not eating, also, you know, drinking, whatever it might be, you know, that's kind of that issue for you. And that could stem to other behaviors as well, not just food, that could stem to all the other behaviors that encompass this too. Yeah, a lot of people I, I find struggle with setting boundaries and driving clear, concise communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that one big thing that I see, especially with like newer people to transformation, whether they're lifestyle or contest prep, is being able to set those boundaries and communicate effectively in place about where they are, what they're doing, mm -hmm. and not allowing 
excuses to derail them, almost taking extreme ownership for the choices that they're making and Mm -hmm. owning those choices, which a lot of people are like, they can't do and, Mm -hmm. or they haven't done yet. And so Mm -hmm. they don't, they have this like out of body experience. And then it's like, well, Susan said that we were going to have cookies. And so I I couldn't say no. Well, it was like, no, you could, you just haven't built that conviction and confidence to be Mm -hmm. like, Hey, Susan, you want to go get cookies? I'll totally go with you, but I'm good. I'm not actually going to have any. Yeah. And, and part of that, you know, extreme ownership was, is a great way of saying that, you know, here, here are my goals, right. And you just need to be really clear on what your goals, all, what your goals are to yourself. If you know what your goals are, like, this is what I'm trying to be doing. It becomes a lot easier to navigate things, right. When you're kind of wishy-washy about your goals and your desires and whatever you're trying to work towards, that's when it becomes a lot more challenging for obvious reasons. Right. Um, so being firm in your goals, whatever they might be, it's really, really important um, setting boundaries, being able to say, Hey, no, like this is where I'm at. And cause here's what I always try to tell people, say somebody want is making comments about what you're eating, what you're not eating, your weight, your this, like your lifestyle, all these things. 99% of the time, which obviously there could be somebody, but most people are not going to go home thinking about like what they said, like to you, right. They're not like, Oh my God, I'm like, really thinking about what Kate has been doing or not doing. No, (laughs) they said that shit. It completely exited their mind because it was not really like meant to be a hurtful comment to be internalized. They were just saying that they've completely moved past it and forgotten. They even said it. And now you're two days later, like still stewing, like, Oh my God, I can't believe they said that to me. And then you're, you know, creating all these other issues for yourself. And it's like, you have to recognize whatever they're saying is their own interpretation. It's not what I'm doing. Like, that is not relevant to me, right? Like their opinion of if I'm having this goal or whatever, not really relevant. So just kind of keep moving. They're not really thinking about it in that way. Um, we often just internalize it. However, on the other side, I always like to present the other side. There is a time when you, as the person with the goal, can be an absolute dick bag to everybody around you. And that is also unnecessary, right? So if you're like, everybody's always making comments about me. Well, yeah, because you're coming into the break room like, oh, look what I'm eating. Like, what, what are you doing over here, you fat fuck? Like, you shouldn't be eating that. Like, oh, we got to clean out the fridge, right? You could easily be now this condescending health nut who is talking down to everybody. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm done with your shit. You know what I mean? Like, why the fuck do you even have these goals? And then you're like, you, you're just internalizing that part, not forgetting all the things that you've said, you know what I mean? So there is a balancing act, right? You have to be like, all right, I'm very strong in my goals and I'm going to do what it takes to get there, whatever that looks like for you, because that's very different for everybody. And if somebody makes comments, it's just, I'm just letting it roll. It's not really a reflection of how they feel about me or my goals. It was just a passing comment. Okay. On the other hand, you also have to like be that neutral. If you're expecting to be neutral, other people to be neutral to you, you have to be neutral to them. And you can't be judging now their choices or being rude about what you're doing Right. Like, so there always is that balance because some people I think will take that, what hear that and be like, oh, you're right. I need to be bold in my convictions as my goals. And then they're just like yelling at everybody about their food choices. It's like, no, 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 we don't want that either. <laughs> like you do you and everybody just kind of does their own thing. You know, like um, that's where I try to like, you know, we want to hit our goals, but we don't want to like take everybody down with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to do this, like you, you do this, right. It doesn't mean that everybody else in your life has to be negatively affected. And if they are, that might be why they're saying shit to you. <laughs> it might not be, but it also could be, right? Like you need to also examine that like shit. I'm getting a lot of comments lately. Like, is this, is this a me thing? Or is this just happen to be, I'm noticing them more, right? Cause that's also, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but <laughs> don't be a dick and also let things roll off when people are saying stuff. Cause most of the time people are just saying things to you and they're really not, 
they're not like premeditated thoughts, you know, like. They're just, and they're removed. They don't actually care. They don't right? care. And, and that's the thing Some that people might, but most, most, most people don't, don't care. No. Um, most people, if they're making a decision with food or alcohol, like they want you to join in for whatever reason, like it makes them feel validated in that choice or whatever it might be. Yeah. Right? Just, it's just fun to them. They're like, Hey, why don't you want to have a drink? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like that's normal. So, but then it's like, if you're like, no, okay. Now, if they're like hounding you about it, then you're like, bro, come on. Like I told you most people though, if you say, Hey, I'm doing this, Hey, I'm not doing this. They're like, okay. And they keep, they keep moving. (laughs) And I think one thing you're actually going to be very good about speaking on too, is, you know, you and Ryan in the, in the navigating of that, right. Because Ryan is someone who will eat what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And right. And like, when you're prepping, uh, you've probably heard this from clients before is like, oh, my boyfriend came home with pizza and I, you know, he, it was, he self-sabotaged me and I like all those things. And I think again, like, it's one of those things where you cannot force your friend, your significant other, your family member to do what you are doing. And they have the right and the freedom to eat how they want to eat and do what they want to do and all those things. You cannot impose on them, but they're also not responsible for imposing on you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably something you've had to navigate in your, in your previous endeavors too. Mm -hmm. Oh, certainly. Especially, you know, when, again, when we're competing, everything is just more extreme when you're competing, you know? So um, any type of diet, you know, like I still prep food now, but everything's perfectly prepped out and this and that. And obviously the linear you get a little shorter fuse and you know, all those kinds of things, right? Like we talked about. Um, but yeah, you have to recognize like, all right, this food is, is here. Um, I don't need to ask, you know, my partner um, or my family, you know, a lot of people obviously have kids, right? Are you going to say to your kids, like, no, I don't want you to have whatever these snacks because I'm dieting. Like that's not fair to them, right? Like they didn't, they didn't ask you to do this. So, um, you know, whatever, whatever situation it might be, roommates, giving other kids, family members, whatever it is, you have to recognize, all right, I cannot impose these goals on everybody else. I can say, Hey, you know, this, you know, this is my, what might help me out. This is what I'm going to be doing, but ultimately like I'm self-sufficient, you know, and obviously again, depending on the type of relationship that, that we're talking about here, you know, somebody can help you you know, you can prep stuff for them. They can prep stuff for you. You can kind of, you know, do things for each other. Of course, like that's like what a partnership is. Um, but again, can't expect somebody to not have that kind of food. Or if you go out, like they order your favorite meal and be like, oh my gosh, now I had to follow plans. Like, no, like that was, that was their choice. And your choice is still the same because of the goals. And I'm not making light of how hard this is. It's certainly a challenge. But it all goes back to, okay, if you're very clear in what your goals are, it makes it a lot easier. It makes it really kind of like that, especially when we're talking about content prep, having that kind of like, it's funny, everything is such a dichotomy, no options mentality. I'm talking about like flexibility, right? You have to be flexible in your mindset, but also have no options because like you, you really do, right? You have to be flexible in some instances, but in others, like, nope, got to be pretty steadfast here. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm not doing. This is how I'm going to achieve this. So everything in life is like, weird balancing dichotomy type issue. But um, yeah, I would say that, especially when it comes to food or really anything, food, training, cardio, just set it up. Hey, here's how I'm doing it. I'm getting it done. How it looks that day might turn out to be a little different depending on how the day goes. Um, but you know exactly what you need to do when you get, which is why planners work so well. Why does a planner work? Well, first of all, it reminds us stuff because uh, forgetful. But side of being forgetful, it also like just says, hey, I, I'm going to write down what I need to what I need to do. 
there are certain things, non-negotiable times. All right, had this podcast, 1230 to 1.30. Okay, got a podcast. I have this other call. Okay, have this. Have, okay, now I'm going to build out the rest of my day around those other non-negotiables. What are the other things I need to do? Here they are. Okay, can I change what times I do them? Yeah, but these need to get done. Okay, I make it, I get it done. And if it's better suited for a different day, certainly I can move it, but there are certain things that obviously can't get moved. Um, so same thing with training and all that, like everything goes back to that. Like, what is your goal? Figure that out. Be very crystal clear with that. Know what you're aiming at. And then you're able to navigate a lot of decisions just so much easier. And that goes for everything in life, not just your fitness goals, but really everything, like for being honest, but yeah, literally everything, right. Knowing, knowing clearly the direction in which you want to travel, laying mm-hmm. out the, the path in which you choose to go about that. And then aligning yourself to move in that direction with realistic expectations, right. You think a lot of that has to come together in order for someone to be successful in anything. And oh, that yeah. means most of the time, especially if it's new, it's going to be uncomfortable because humans hate change. Like we just hate it. We, we resist it with everything that we have. Yeah, it's um, awful. But <laughs> on the other side of that is perspective and knowledge that you didn't have. Yes. It was very necessary, but <laughs> not always enjoyable, but still definitely not enjoyable. But when you look back, you're like, damn it. Okay. That was, that is what I needed. <laughs> All right. So to wrap it up, uh, the last thing that I, I want you to cover really is talking about like who you are today versus mm. who you were when you got into coaching and how you've grown personally. And if you could give yourself a message, like back when you started, right, what would that look like? Yeah, it's such a funny week to ask this. It was my birthday yesterday. And um, for the team content, we have been doing like a lot of just kind of like reflective type stuff. You know, we thought that'd be just good. Like, Hey, we're tell my younger self and this and that, and just, you know, just playing on the birthday theme, but actually like it's, it is good to look back sometimes to be like, okay, where was I, how was I thinking and, and all that. So I would say one thing when I first started was on it. I mean, first of all, I just started coaching like, oh, okay, I guess I'll coach. Like, you know, somebody asked me to coach them, I'll coach. And um, so I really went into it with more of like a, I don't know if a reactionary is the right word, but it was like, hey, here's the plan. This happens. Okay, react. And we're just going to be kind of, you know, here's your macros. Here's your cardio. Here's that. How are things going? Okay, good to go, right? More like just kind of basic, right? Nothing is wrong with it. Um, but as I gathered more data and more knowledge, I recognize like, wow, there's so much nuance between individuals and I can have same ideas about 80% of the time. Like those are kind of the foundational things that 20, that 20 changes a lot. Um, And when I say a lot, I mean, it's still within a normal construct of whatever that is, but that is where a lot of individual variability is going to come in. And that's really the beauty of one-on-one coaching. If we're talking about just putting out a program or an app or a plan or whatever it might be, like you're going to get a lot done. As soon as you want to have a uh, one-on-one coach, have individualized coaching. That is where you're going to be treated more as the individual. And we're going to look at more perspective. So I would say one of the biggest things that's changed is me being able to look at the whole picture with the client instead of just being like, here's this, here's that. Okay. Hmm, how do we get here? Not really sure. Now I have better understanding of, all right, all of these pieces are going to fit together, all these different aspects of your life. Um, I'm going to ask better questions and be able to get better feedback and create a better plan based off of that. So that's really just the biggest thing. And I think, honestly, part of that just comes with experience and working with people. Um, I think it's really hard to develop that like without just people, you know? So um, that's been one of the things though, that's been nice to look back and be like, wow, that's really cool. Like we've evolved a lot in the way in what we ask and how we ask it, and then how that formulates our changes moving forward. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest things, just kind of like overall that's different with coaching. Um, And then 
something just to kind of tell, you know, me when I'm first starting out, I guess, um, would really be like, just listen, you know, continue to listen a lot, ask questions. And I've always been like talkative and so talking is not really a problem, but <laughs> sometimes that can lend to being just talkative and not necessarily asking the right questions. Um, so really learning to do that earlier on, I think would have been a better use of time. Not that I you know, necessarily had wasted time, but like thinking back, like, man, I really wish I would have asked that person this or been able to, if I had listened to this, in this way, like an active listening way, I would have been able to formulate three questions off of that. And then I would have been able to learn more from that individual um, or that situation or that context or that seminar, whatever it is, right? Like just actively listening and then formulating questions and thoughts from there. And maybe not even asking that individual person, but it just prompting something. Like now when I go to events, and like seminars, I'll take notes. I kind of take like two notes. Well, there's also like five things going on in my brain at once, but <laughs> I'll take, I'll be like listening, thinking about something else. And then I'll be taking some notes and then I'll be taking like, like other thoughts. Like, okay, that person, this is completely unrelated, but now I'm having these other thoughts here and I'm like jotting down like multiple things. And I'm like, I look insane if you like see my notebook, but that is like getting things going for me. Um, and I probably wouldn't have done that before. I might've just been like, okay, I'm listening to this and I'm just engaged there. And like, that would be kind of it, like wrap it up. But now it's like, okay, I'm listening. And this is also activating other things and other prompts that I want to either dive deeper into um, to either maybe change my perspective or to learn more or to ask another question, whatever it might be. So active listening, I think is, is kind of what that boils down to. Uh, yeah, I think I answered all of those, maybe. <laughs> I love that. So first I need to say happy belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> you had the best birthday ever. How old are you now? 30. You have a dirty 30? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It was crazy. So no, we had a really good, it was a really great time. And I feel like, so normally like, you know, birthdays are, are great. Obviously we love birthdays, but um, I don't know. I just, I do feel like this is a different kind of decade. You know, I just feel like it's a lot, it's just a lot different. Um, I have a much clearer on my vision and, you know, still working on, you know, developing as, as a person, but I feel like I've been able to reflect a lot more and, and deeper as an individual now with you know, more experience, obviously more life experience. So yeah, I have, I have a good feeling about thirties. So yeah, finally made it. <laughs> 30 flirting and thriving. They say the thirties are the best years of your life. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I've heard allegedly. So we're going to go with that. My favorite people are like, I totally thought you're older than that. I'm like, Oh, thanks. They're like, no, no, no. Because of how you, I'm like, nice follow-up. Mm -hmm. Nice mm -hmm. follow-up. Um, <laughs> But yes, so thank you. I appreciate it. It was a great time last night. No, that's awesome. And I'm I'm super excited for you. I feel as though like once you get very clear on your vision and your mission and you're like really in alignment with yourself, I can speak like personally over the last eight months or so, like I've really had to deep dive into that. Mm -hmm. It just like amplifies your energy, your excitement and your passion for like what is coming, even though you don't know what that is yet. You're just like excited about it. So 100%. Uh, I literally can't wait to see what you continue to do. And I very, very much appreciate your time here today. And yeah. I would love to have you back on because I already have like follow-up questions. Hey, there um, we go. We see? Didn't even touch. <laughs> I know. There was so many just different directions, which is why I love, I just love podcasts, you know, for that reason. Cause you can just like have an idea of kind of what you want to talk about, but then you end up talking about something completely different. And then then, hey, that sparks more thoughts and more prompts and more questions that you want to ask. So Yes, I would love to come back on. Thank you so much for doing this. And yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. And if you have any follow-up questions, then we can do that for the second one potentially. But 
Yep. I'd love that. So I will put all of Lauren's information below. If you guys are interested in contacting her for coaching, that link will be there as well. So Lauren, thank you again so much. Have a wonderful first day of your thirties. Thank you. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's day. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot. All I'm about doing, that. I'm doing nothing for that. So, um, I was just more in jest, but yes, <laughs> that's that too. If you guys are celebrating, uh, whatever. Okay. Be smart, be safe and uh, enjoy your day. <laughs> yes. Bye Lauren. Thank you. You're welcome, girl. Bye.